this morning, I would love to speak to you about peace, about the gift of peace that Jesus gives us. And it's something that the Lord has been speaking to me about over the last few weeks. And um, a few weeks ago, when I started to think about what I might speak about today, I genuinely had no idea the week we were in store for. Um, It has been quite a week, hasn't it? Nationally and globally, politically, as Andy said, economically, there there is an awful lot going on in our world. Um, And and if we're being really honest, (laughs) the world is not a place of peace right now, is it? It's It's not a peaceful place. And although the world is clearly not a peaceful place, it's still this this thing of peace, this concept of peace, sort of feels like something that universally we are all working towards, like universally we're all trying to attain this state of peace. It's like we as people, we as mankind are in constant pursuit of peace. We talk a lot about peace in our language. We use phrases like peace and quiet. We talk about a peaceful night's sleep. I talk about that a lot. Don't get it in practice. Um, We talk about inner peace. We talk about world peace. We talk about peace of mind. And although, as I said, it feels like mankind is in this pursuit of peace, sadly, the world doesn't reflect that, does it? It's not a peaceful place. Our world is broken. Our world is hurting. Our world is frantic. It's chaotic. You know, we're at war. The world is not a peaceful place. But for us, as his people, we do know peace. And that's the peace that Jesus gives us. It's the gift of peace that lives within us. And um, we're going to look at a passage this morning. It may be familiar to you. If you've got your Bibles, you may want to flick it open. Um, We're going to be looking at John 14 and starting from verse 25. It says this. All I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So um, a little bit of context around this passage. Um, What I've just read is it comes just before the Passover, um, and so Jesus sort of knew that his time on on earth was coming to an end, and he knew that he was going to be crucified and go to be with his Father in heaven. And uh, just before this passage, if you read just before, you would read that um, Jesus washing his disciples' feet, you would see him warning them of Judas's betrayal. Um, He encourages his disciples to love one another He tells them that he's going to prepare a place for them and that he will come back for them. He promises them the gift of his Holy Spirit. And then finally, that that section we've just read from verse 25, he leaves them the gift of his peace. So essentially, Jesus has basically just announced his exit plan to the disciples. And so, you know, the disciples, they were were pretty close people to Jesus. They were important people in his life. And I imagine that they were pretty worried, pretty anxious, pretty pretty stressed out. What were they going to do without Jesus? You know, and Jesus loved his disciples. Um, And what we see him doing in that passage that I've just read is, is he is essentially preparing them. He's preparing them, and he does that by telling them that he's giving them the gift of his peace. He's leaving them his peace. He says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And in that verse, Jesus Jesus acknowledges 
the difference between peace as the world gives and peace as he gives, doesn't he? I do not give to you as the world gives, he says. You see, the peace the world offers depends largely on the circumstances of life. When everything sort of lines up, when the to-do list is done, when the laundry is folded, the house is tidy, the grass is cut, maybe we might feel or get close to that, that feeling of peace. The peace the world offers is something we might try really hard to muster up for ourselves, muster up in our own energy. Peace by the world's standards, I guess, is um, like the absence of inconvenience, the absence of, of problems, the absence of trouble, the absence of hardship. And as I said, mankind, it feels is like in constant pursuit of that peace. You know, we throw time and we throw money and energy and our resources at anything and everything just so we can feel peace, just so we can feel peaceful. But the gift of peace that Jesus talks about, his peace that we've just read about in that passage is different. The peace that Jesus leaves his disciples is different. The peace that Jesus gives you and I, the peace that lives within you and I, it's different. It's not peace as the world gives. You see, the peace of God isn't found in the absence of, of problems, but it's found in him. It's found in his presence. It's part of the package deal. If we know Jesus, we know his peace. And that peace is the peace that I'd like to spend a little bit of time looking at this morning. So the word peace in the Old Testament comes from the Hebrew word shalom. It's actually like a Jewish greeting, so it was used in, in coming and going in those times. And I can remember growing up, my grandparents actually had a sign. It said shalom, and it was, it was nailed right above their doorway. So in our coming and our going out of their house, we would see that sign. It would say shalom. And it doesn't just mean a greeting word, but it also means wholeness. It means completeness. It means perfect peace. It means peace with God. That is what shalom means. And it's a gift. Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And peace, uh, as we all know, is one of the many fruits of the Spirit. Um, so like all other fruits of the Spirit, it's a gift that is available to us when we receive his Holy Spirit, and it grows in us as we walk in step with his Spirit. Um, I'm a part of one of the many connect groups that meets in the life of this church. I'm part of a group called Soul Mums, and we meet over in the warehouse just across the road on Friday mornings. It's utter carnage, because it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of ladies and a lot of children. Um, and, and we meet within small groups, or at least we try. We get very disrupted by kids. But um, we meet within small groups. And this term, um, our small group has been looking at the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. And um, each week, we've been looking at a different gift. And um, my group is a great group, but none of us are, are real theologians, me included. Sorry to disappoint. And um, as we've been going through each gift, we've been trying to grapple with what that gift looks like, how we, can, how we can bring it into everyday life, perhaps how we can practice it in our parenting. We've been grappling with these gifts, and, and as we've sought to try and to define what each gift means, we've often looked at what we think the opposite of it means, to get an idea of, of, of what it means, perhaps. So, you know, for love, we thought perhaps the opposite might be fear. For joy, we spoke about how the opposite maybe looks like hopelessness. For patience, hurry. And when it came to peace, we couldn't really land on a word. We talked about lots of words. We talked about the opposite perhaps being anxiety, worry, unease, chaos, tension. And actually, at the very end of that passage that I just read, it almost does that for us as well. It sort of acknowledges what the opposite is. It says this, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In other translations, it says anxious. 
It's like that verse right there does it for us, acknowledges of what the opposite of peace might look like in our lives. It acknowledges what happens when we don't have peace. It looks like trouble, it looks like fear, anxiety. But the gift of peace that Jesus offers us is the antidote to that. It's the antidote to trouble. It's the antidote to fear. It's the antidote to anxiety. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, Jesus says. And Jesus himself was a person of peace. One of his many names, and he had many different titles, didn't he? One of his many names was Prince of Peace. It's my favorite title for Jesus. We use it a lot at Christmas time. Wonderful counselor, everlasting father, Prince of Peace. Jesus was peace personified. And his life on earth was marked by peace. You know, like us, he didn't always live in certain times. There was a lot of unease surrounding him too, a lot of tension. But everywhere he went, he bought his peace. He was, he was peace personified. If peace were a person, it would have been Jesus. Um, you know, we see in the Gospels as Jesus encounters people, as he heals people, he leaves them with his peace. He, he uses phrases such as, my peace be with you. Or as he's sort of dismissing people, he'll say, now go in peace. He was peace personified. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when, I, when I'm thinking about peace, I maybe associate it um, with calmness and, and softness and passiveness. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe somewhere in my mind I think that it's one of the less exciting gifts of the Holy Spirit, perhaps. Um, I guess it's a little bit more quiet and subtle and unseen. But what I am realizing more and more and over the last few weeks as I've sort of grappled with this idea of the gift of Jesus' peace is I am realizing the extent to which peace is genuinely one of the most powerful gifts we have been given. There's nothing passive about it. It's a powerful gift. And when I think about Jesus, the Prince of Peace, I'm reminded of the story of Jesus sleeping in the storm. Um, our son, Jack, he's three and a half, almost four, and um, I collected him from Soul Kids a few weeks ago, and he was sort of, he turns out he'd learned about the story of Jesus sleeping in the storm. I was quite amazed. And before you think we're like smashing it as parents and our son knows all the Bible verses in the world, um, generally speaking, when we collect him from any type of setting, I'll like ask him if he had a good day and he'll say, yeah. And I'll say, what did you learn? And he'll say, oh, not much. And I'll say, who did you play with? And he'll say, friends. And I say, what did you do, play? <laughs> I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's like he's male or whatever, but it's like he, he doesn't give much away. So generally, we, we, don't, we don't get much out of him. Um, but soul kids over the road, they're incredibly helpful because when you pick up your, your child, they give you this little cue card and it has the memory verse that they were looking at and a few little questions that you can ask your child. So we get in the car a few weeks ago and I noticed that it said that they'd be learning about Jesus sleeping in the storm in the boat. And I leant around to Jack in the car and I was like, hey buddy, what did you learn today? And he's like, Mew. I said, who did you play with, friends? And I was like, not today. I'm going to ask you some specific questions. So I said to him, I said, Jack, did you learn about Jesus? And he said, yeah. And I said, was Jesus in a boat? And he said, yeah. And like before I knew it, he was sort of slowly beginning to explain the story of Jesus asleep in the storm to me. He said, um, there was a storm and Jesus was in a boat and um, his friends were really sad and the boat sank. <laughs> and if you know the ending of the story, you'll know that he got it completely wrong. Um, and I think he was like amping it up for dramatic effect. Um, but I love that our little story is somewhere locked away in his mind, albeit a slightly skewed version, but, but he has this picture of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, sleeping in the storm in his mind. You know, the story of Jesus 
calming the storm. It's a beautiful picture of the person of peace Jesus is. He's out on the boat with his disciples. It's nighttime, and this huge storm starts up. And as you can imagine, the disciples, like, they're stressed, they're scared, they're getting pretty antsy, and, and Jesus is just in the stern of the boat, sleeping. In fact, the Bible actually tells us that he's, um, he's got his head on a cushion, sleeping. So he's, like, super comfy. And the disciples, they wake him up, and they say, Teacher, do you not care if we drown? And Jesus just gets up. And he speaks directly to the wind and the waves, and he says, peace, be still. And the disciples are astonished, and they say to one another, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, I'm a pretty heavy sleeper. My kids aren't, but I am. But every now and then in the UK, we get these storms, don't we? These thunderstorms, and they kind of come about because we've had like four or five days of really hot weather. And our English climate has no idea what to do with itself. And it's like it just explodes and throws out this massive thunderstorm. We'll probably do one sometime soon, actually, after all this heat. Um, and like, it's exciting, isn't it? Because we're not used to them. It's the type of storm that like no one sleeps through. We're all up in the middle of the night. You can just see like all the lights and all the houses down the road popping on. We're all like looking out of our bedroom windows. And we're maybe like trying to film the thunderbolts on our, on our phones in slow motion. You know the type of storm I mean. But the point is this, one does simply not sleep through a storm because they're really loud, they're really unsettling, they're scary. And that's from the perspective of my nice warm home. Imagine sleeping in a boat, exposed to the elements in the middle of a storm, waves ranging, like rain slashing against your, your face, disciples screaming at the top of their lungs. And that's what Jesus does. He's just fast asleep in the stern of the boat. That is the level of peace Jesus had about him. He could sleep in the thick of a storm. He was a person of peace. And then when he's woken, you know, out of, out of the disciples' fear, he casually just speaks to the winds and the, wave and, he said, and the waves, and he says, peace, be still. You know, I sort of wonder if Jesus is speaking those words both to the wind and the waves, but also to the disciples too in their franticness, in their fear. He says to the wind and the waves and the disciples, peace, be still. What does peace look like? It looks like sleeping in the face of a storm. It looks like being rooted and grounded in him when the waves start to rise. It looks like trusting that he has the power to contend with whatever you are walking through, with whatever situation you find yourself in. When the seas of life get choppy and uncertain and scary, trusting that he has not forgotten you, trusting that he is for you, trusting that he can save you, he can speak to any storm, any situation, and say, peace, be still. And he says that to you and I, just like he did to the disciples too, peace, be still. And as his people... We're called to be a people of peace, just like Jesus was. We're called to be people marked by his peace, filled with his presence, so filled with his peace. It's um, one of the many things that makes us distinctive, I think, as his followers, that we are a people of peace. Do you know that his peace within you speaks volumes to those that are around you, to the people that you work with, to the people that you play football with, to the people that you serve, to the people um, that, that are next to you on your commute, to the people that you rub shoulders along in your day-to-day -day life, to the people at the school gates, to your friends, to your families. His peace within you speaks volumes to those around you.
It's one of the things, as I said, that makes us distinctive as his people, his peace. And I think it's one of the ways, sometimes without even realizing, that we can minister to those around us as we operate out of a place of peace. And I'd love to just spend a little bit of time looking at ways in which his peace helps us. So the first way is the peace of God can actually help guide us. It can act as like some sort of radar. We often use phrases in our language, don't we? Um, Like, I just didn't feel peaceful about that, so I didn't do it. Or I felt real peace. It didn't really make sense, but I felt real peace, so, so we did that. And it's like when we're using language like that, we're acknowledging the power that his peace has to guide us, because it can. Sometimes I think of it as like peace is a little bit um, like a measuring stick or a measuring tool, and it sort of helps discern our way through life. I heard this really wise person say, and I can't for the life of me remember who it was, um, but they said these few words. They said, no peace, no move. In other words, until you find this level of peace, until you find his peace within a situation, don't move, stay put. His peace will guide you when you need to be there. Trust his peace, let it guide you. And a really good friend of mine, actually, she runs a business, and um, she carries a lot within her job. She's got a big team, big budgets, and, and she often has some really significant decisions she has to make within the life of her business about staffing and funding and product development. And um, one of the things I love is that every time I speak to her about her work, she talks so much about Jesus' peace guiding her. I don't know if she even realizes it, but she'll say things like, it didn't make sense, Hannah, but we, we just went this way because I just felt really peaceful about it. Or we just completely stopped production on this one thing because we just all suddenly really lacked peace over it. And it's amazing to watch like, because she's just allowing the peace of God to guide her as she, as she leads a team, as, as she leads in the workplace. She's allowing his peace to help her discern. She's being guided by his peace. And the gift of peace can help guide me too and you. It can act like some sort of, I don't know, spiritual radar as, as, as it helps in us discerning our steps. So don't miss it. We can ask him to give us a measure of peace. And we don't know which way to go. His peace can guide us. And secondly, this one probably seems really obvious, but the second thing is that his peace can comfort us. As I mentioned earlier, God's peace is the antidote to trouble. It's the antidote to fear. And some of you today might just be feeling like life is a lot. Perhaps you feel like consumed with sadness or consumed with worry and fear. Perhaps you feel like the waves are genuinely too big around you. And maybe it feels like life is just completely overwhelming. It's totally normal to feel that way, by the way. His peace comforts us. We see it in that passage we read earlier. He says to the disciples, and he says this to us today too, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. How do we do that? We receive his peace, his peace that comforts us. Do you know that it's possible that you can be walking through the valley of the shadow of death and still be totally filled with his peace? I know of a few people um, at the moment who have recently received some really, really tragic um, medical diagnosis and and it's amazing to watch them walk in in the peace that Jesus has given them. In In many ways, they are walking through like the darkest of valleys. Yet they... They say that they feel full of his peace. 
And it doesn't make sense, does it? But that's what Jesus' peace does. It comforts. And one person in the life of this church, actually, a few years ago, um, they were battling some, some really, um, some medical problems. And they, they described it like they were being carried on a cushion of his peace. That is what peace does. It comforts us. It cushions us. It carries us. And then, um, thirdly, his peace strengthens us. I don't know about you, but there have been moments in my life where if it wasn't for the gift of his peace, I don't know if I would have had the energy to just keep going. His peace is, is one of the many gifts that enables us to do that, to just keep going. When we have absolutely nothing left in the tank, when it feels like we've literally come to the end of ourselves, when it feels like we're just scraping the barrel. You know, when we've been delivered disappointing medical news or work news or family news, his peace can strengthen us. It's, um, it's a bit of a trivial example, but seven years ago, Tim, my husband and I, we got married. And at the time, I worked in events. Um, I was an events manager. And so as you can imagine, when you work in events and you're planning your own wedding, it's like the ultimate. I had a spreadsheet for every single thing. Um, it was color-coded. It was absolutely stunning. Um, and the one thing that I didn't have a spreadsheet for was the eventuality that the groom would get food poisoning the night before the wedding. <laughs> True story. Tim got food poisoning around about 7 p.m. the night before our wedding. He went back off to his hotel with his family and was just like chucking his guts up. And I was devastated. There was a part of me that was like, are we going to get married tomorrow? Like, what's going to happen? I was so stressed. I was so upset. Um, and me and my bridesmaids and family, we went back, back to our house and... Oh, I was just, I was beside myself and I took myself off, off to my room. I just wanted to go to sleep. I was really sad. And I sat in my room and I prayed a prayer. Um, it sounds ridiculous, but the thing that I was like most worried about was not sleeping. Because um, there's all the anticipation, isn't there, the day before a wedding, like nerves, excitement, you know, is everything going to go to plan? I knew, I knew there would be that. So I knew I probably wouldn't sleep amazingly well. But on top of that, there was like the worry and the fear of like, are you even going to get married? Is Tim going to be okay? Did I eat what he ate? I just knew I wasn't going to sleep a wink. Um, obviously, I prayed lovely prayers for Tim that he'd get healed and all of that. But I mainly prayed that I would sleep so well. I wanted, I wanted the best night's sleep. I prayed that I would sleep like a baby and that I would be strengthened by him so that we could just get through the next day. And Tim too, I wanted Tim to feel full of Jesus' strength. And I prayed specifically for his peace. I knew his peace could do that for us, that I could sleep well, and that we could have an amazing day the next day. And I actually slept incredibly well. I was the first person to fall asleep in the household and the last person to wake up, which is quite a feat for a bride-to-be. I had an amazing night's sleep, and um, we actually felt carried. We had an amazing wedding day, of course, obviously, and um, we did get married. I felt carried by his peace on our wedding day. I really did. I felt carried by his peace. We both felt strengthened by his peace. And as, as sort of news um, filtered out throughout the day about Tim being ill, we didn't really want to tell everyone, but, but they found out. People kept coming up to me because they knew that I had like, planned this thing to a T. They kept coming up to us, and they were like, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? How are you doing, Hannah? And you know what? I couldn't really answer because it had nothing to do with me, the fact that I was doing well, but everything to do with his peace. His peace strengthened us. And I'm sure to a far greater degree, there have been times in your lives where the gift of his peace has, um, has strengthened you, has given you everything you needed just to keep going. And if you're feeling weak today, 
If you're feeling like you have come to the end of yourself, if you're feeling like you are literally just scraping the barrel, like it was a huge feat even just to get here today, like me, <laughs> you can receive his peace. His peace will give you strength. So there we go. His peace guides us, it comforts us, and it strengthens us. And how can we accept the peace of Jesus? When Paul wrote his letter to the church in Philippi, he outlined the secret of receiving this peace that Jesus has made available to us. And we read about it in Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the secret. It's speaking to him. It's walking with him. It's waiting on him. It's receiving from him that we receive his peace. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You know some of the people that I know in my life who I would describe as the most peace-filled people are not people um, who have easy, breezy, trouble-free lives, but they're people who are walking in step with his spirit. They're people who are filled with his presence because if they know his presence, they know his peace. And as a side, I don't know if you've ever wondered, why if you ever feel like you're going through a season and you just feel like the enemy is on your back and you just feel completely under attack, if you're anything like me, nine times out of 10, like the first thing to go is your peace. You know, you suddenly feel completely void of his peace. If it's peace that guards our hearts and our minds like we've just read there in Philippians, then it is no surprise that that is where the enemy is going to start. It's no surprise that he's out to rob us of our peace. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, just, just to be aware of it. How do we avoid it? We've just read about it, walking with him, talking with him, waiting on him, speaking to him. And when I think about the idea of Jesus' Jesus's peace guarding my heart and my mind, it sounds silly, but I often <laughs> have this picture of one of the Queen's guards, you know, um, like the red blazer and the tall boots, and they're like stand completely straight, like dead pan face. And you're like trying to, <laughs> trying to make them jump, you know, the ones with the really big black hats, wigs, I don't really know what they are. Anyway, that's the picture I have. What's their job? To keep watch, to guard the palace, to protect the Queen. Sometimes I like to think of it a little bit like that, that peace is standing watch over my heart and over my mind, and it's there to protect me. It's there to watch over. It's there to guard my heart and to guard my mind, and that's a powerful thing, you know. His peace watches over our hearts and our minds. As I said at the beginning, mankind is crying out for his peace. The world is not a peace-filled place. But the good news is, is that if you know him, you know his peace. We are a people of peace. And you may not feel full to the brim of his peace today. That's okay. I don't much particularly at the moment, to be honest. But we can ask for more. We can grow in knowing his peace and experiencing his peace. We can all grow in all the gifts. The more we walk with him, the more we talk with him, the more we wait on him, the more we keep in step with his spirit, the more we grow. His peace is a gift. He gives it to me and he gives it to you. The peace that he left his disciples in that passage we spoke about in the, in, at the beginning. That very same gift lives in me and lives in you. And it's there to comfort us. It's there to guide us. It's there to strengthen us. Jesus says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
Amen.